Little ones, you're dismissed. Go quietly to your classes tonight. God bless you. Youth, you're staying with me to hear me preach all month long. Your classes will begin next month, and you'll get ready for your convention in San Diego. Micah Carter and a bunch of other great young men are going to be preaching the word of God. And we're excited for that. Praise God. As the little ones go, you that are grown, stand to your feet now and take your Bible and go to Isaiah 44. Somebody open a door, turn on the air conditioning, do something. Elder Brown, can you toss me my sweat towel? It's right there under that. Under that. Toss me that shirt, too, while you're at it. Thank you. For those of you that are visiting here, I'm Pastor Munoz, and it's, we count it an honor that you'd be with us. I know we already welcomed you, but uh, uh, it's no coincidence that you're here tonight. I want you to know that God is doing something at ALC. <clears throat> I said, God is doing something at ALC. I said, God is doing something at ALC. I'm so blessed tonight because uh, uh, a brother from our church, and I, he's, he's family. Uh, he's here tonight. I'm not going to call him out or anything, but he came and he brought me this shirt right here, and it says 65. He airbrushes, and he, he brought me this beautiful shirt. It says 65 on it, and in the back, it says SS with the Impala logo for my shirt. He made me a shirt because he knows I just got an Impala and whatnot. So that, that, that made my whole day right there. That made my whole day. But there's something that's going to make me even happier, and that's seeing idols fall in the presence of the living God. Yeah, so that's great. Thank you for that. Isaiah 44. Today, we're going to consider verses 6 through 19. When you have it, say, I got it. All right. If you have your Bible, follow along with me. If not, let's read from the screen above. The word of the Lord says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. Beside me, there is... Okay, we're going to read this one verse only. Just give me verse 6, sis. Just give me verse 6. Let's read it together. Give me verse 6, please. Uh, ready? Everybody together. Ready? Read. What does he say? I am the... Let's read the last part again where it says, I am the first. Everybody together loud and strong. Ready? Read. Everybody repeat after me. Beside me, there is no God. Somebody say, there is no God. One more time, say, there is no God. Bow your heart, Father. I thank you for your word. Your word is truth. I pray, Father God, that today it would find good ground in the hearts of those that have joined us tonight. I pray, Spirit of the living God, that you would illuminate truth tonight. Point us to Jesus. Those that are wayward, bring them home. Those that are bound, deliver them by the power of the Holy Ghost. And I pray, Father, that all who are here tonight, Lord, from the saved to the lost, Lord, from the least of us to the greatest amongst us, I pray that you would expose the idols in our heart. God, everybody here under the sound of my voice from the pulpit down, I pray, Lord, that we would lay our idols down before you now. Expose the hidden things of the heart. Rebuke, Lord God, those that need to be rebuked. Comfort those that need to be comforted. But above all, edify and build like only you can. And I pray in the name of Jesus that every lying spirit, that every deception of our enemy, Lord, would be exposed for what it is. I pray in Jesus' name that you would cast down, O oh God, every imagination and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Expose it for what it is expose every lie every trick every plan of our adversary tonight and we will be we will be careful lord to give you praise anoint me lord to preach your word like you gave it to me i pray touch my lips tonight that it would not be my word spoken but your word alone that goes forth in power and this we pray in jesus name and everybody said amen be seated please satan is a master deceiver Satan is a master deceiver. He is a master deceiver. The Bible says that he is a liar, not only a liar, but that he is the father of lies. That means that when he lies, he does it well. Everybody here from the pastor down at one point or another, you have been deceived by the lies of your adversary. 
I don't expect you to say amen to that because I know you want to act like you're deep and spiritual and that he's never pulled the wool over your eyes. But everybody here from the pulpit down has been deceived at one point or another by the lies of your enemy. Some of you right now are being deceived by his lies because you're bound to things that don't honor God. And you're bound to those things because the enemy has lied to you and has told you that those things can fill a void that they cannot fill. Some of you right now, you're not helping me preach, but I'm already preaching better than your amen. You're bound to things that are lesser things than God. You're bound to things you're tied to them you choose to pursue things that are lesser than his great name and it's because you have believed the lie that those things can satisfy the longing of your soul let's be clear about something i love that 65 as much as i can but it's a hunk of metal that thing can never feel the longing of my soul i can take that thing for a cruise all day but there's still an emptiness on the inside of me that only jesus can satisfy friend that is that you that are listening to me tonight you have to know that every lie of your enemy it is the will of god that he exposed every lie and that ultimately when he exposes the lie that he would bring you to his feet and that you would lay down every idol and every everything that stands everything that comes before the love that you should have for the Lord your God tonight as I was preparing to preach the word of the Lord so clearly he said idols are about to fall and I will restore zeal for my house there are idols listen to me carefully there are idols in your heart in your heart in your heart let's be clear about this there are idols in my heart right now there are things in your life your life your life and yours and if i had 200 fingers i'd point them all because we all have idols everyone here from the pulpit back there are things that come before god that should not come before god there are things that you enjoy more than you enjoy god and that my friend is idolatry Let's begin with the text because Isaiah says in verse 6 now, in verse 6, the Lord makes a declaration. And I love it because it says, thus says the Lord. It doesn't say, thus says Pastor Ronan. It doesn't say, thus says the Assemblies of God. It doesn't say, thus says Calvary Chapel. Thus says the Methodist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, or Baptist. Thus says the Lord. What does the Lord say? Ready? Here it is. Here it is. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer. Ready? The Lord of hosts. Here's what he says. I am the first. I wish you'd help me. And I am the last. And besides me, there is, there is, no God. Put it up there. Verse six. I am the first and I am the last. You got to get this. I am the first And I am the last, and besides me there is no God. So God begins by proclaiming his glory against all other gods. Be clear, little g. God begins by declaring his glory against all other gods, little g. He's saying there is none like me. I'm the first and I'm the last. Besides me there is no God. Great theologian, uh, uh, Montier, he wrote the following. He put, as first, uh, because he is first, and as first, put it up there, says, as first, he does not derive his being from any other. Because when God says he is the first, that means that he does not derive his being from any other, but he is self-existing. As the last, he remains supreme at the end. So he's able to say, I'm the first, and I'm the last. This is important. Because Isaiah right now, more than any other Old Testament author, is about to go, he's about to give a diatribe, he's about to to give more than any other Old Testament writer. Isaiah is about to give an argument against idolatry. Please, please lend me your ear. Every Old Testament writer dealt with the issue of idolatry. All throughout the book of Exodus, after God gave them his law, they were given specific instructions as to how to deal with those who committed idolatry. But nobody like Isaiah, especially in Isaiah 44, nobody takes as much time arguing and presenting his case against idols. Not only against idols, but against those who make them. But before we get to that, you have to know this in your heart. Ready? There is no God like your God. Now, now, now why does that matter? Some of you are like, I already know that. I already know that there's no God like No, you don't. You don't know. You might know here, but it hasn't dropped from here to here. Because what you know isn't affecting how you live. If you knew and believed that there is no God like your God, then you wouldn't worry about the things you're worrying about right now. If you believe that there is no God like your God, you wouldn't be stricken by fear. Because that's what Isaiah is about to tell us in the text. 
fear not. You don't have reason to fear. Now, now jump to verse 8. Ready? Let's read verse 8 together. Give me verse 8, please. We're short on time. Ready? Help me read. Ready? Read. Read that one more time. Uh-huh. And declared it. And you are my witness. Somebody shout, I'm a witness. Oh, maybe not everybody's a witness now, but you ought, to be, you ought to be proud to be able to say, I'm a witness that there is no God like our God. I can testify that there is no God like our. Are there any witnesses in the house? Raise your hand and shout, I'm a witness. Come on, shout, I'm a witness. Fear not. Tell your neighbor, fear not. Don't be afraid. Why? Haven't I told you from old and declared it? And you are my what? You are my what? You are my what? Is there a God beside me? He's asking you a question. Is there a God beside me? And for those that might want to contend, he answers it. It's rhetorical. Ready? He says, there's no God like me. And there is no rock. And here it is. Get this. The omniscient, all-knowing God, the God who knows the end from the beginning, the God that knows your past, present, and future, the God that knows all thoughts at the same time. If you could ever think a thought, he knows that thought even before you think it. You're not following me here right now. The God that's in your yesterday, your present, and is already in your tomorrow, that all-knowing, omniscient God says, there is no God like me, the one that knows it all. I know you think your neighbor knows it all. I know your wife thinks she knows it all. But the God who really knows it all says, is there any God like me? And then he answers his own question. He says... There is none and there is no rock. I don't know any. He says, I don't know any. Put it up there. That that, that means to tell us that when we know, when we really know who God is. Follow me in the back, please. When we really know who God is. When we really know who God is and recognize his authority over all things, not some things then it erases all fear in our life. When you know, somebody shout no. When you know. I didn't say think. I didn't say assume. I didn't even say when you're convinced because my mom used to love, my mom, my mom rest in peace, Pastor Alice, she said, oh, they're, they're, they're convinced, but they're not yet converted. Some of you might be convinced that he's God, but you're not yet converted. Like I preached on Sunday, uh, andas probando las aguas todavía. You know, I'm checking it out. You know, I'm going to see, see if it's legit. I'll, I'll give this religion thing a try. That's your problem. You're, you're, not, you're not trying out a religion. God desires to have a relationship with you. He is a living God. He is the living God. And there is none like him. Somebody shout hallelujah. When you really know him, when you really know who God is and recognize that he has authority over all things, not something, then it erases your need to fear. Why fear when you know who your God is? Ask your neighbor, do you know who your God is? You're not acting like it. Y'all ain't here in this place, but I'm preaching better than your amen. You ain't acting like you know who God is. I think it's overdue. We're overdue. It's time that we begin to act like we know who God is. Those of you that are here tonight, you're paralyzed by fear. You don't know how you're going to make ends meet. Do you know who God is? He's the same God. I, I, I wish y'all would help me. He's the, he's the God that's able to make fish spit up gold coins. I wish you'd talk to me in here. He's the God that's able to sustain Jonah in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights. If that's not enough, he's the God that's able to bring dead things back to life again. You don't believe me? Hello, Lazarus. Come on, Lazarus was in the grave. He was already stinking and God was able to say, Lazarus, come Is there anything too hard for God? The answer is no, because there is no God like our God. Somebody say there's no God like our God. Now I got to move forward because that, that, that was just something for some of y'all that should know better. You should know better. If you truly know God, then you have no reason to fear. If you know God, then there should be no fear. If you know God, then there should be no fear. You're afraid to even say amen to that because you're like, Mm-mm, I ain't willing to say that. Then you need to be introduced to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, I'm afraid, of, I'm afraid of the economy. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. The Bible says that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Well, I'm surrounded by, by my enemies at work. The Bible says that he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
well, I'm tormented in my mind. I have bad dreams and I'm scared. The Bible says the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I don't expect you to fake it. I don't expect you to front. But if, when you begin to really know who God is, you can stand and face adversity with a faith that is supernatural, a faith that you can't even take credit for because even that comes from him. He gives unto every man the measure of faith. He gives to you both the will and the grace to do his will. And so it's all him. Please know who your God is. I wish that I could spend the rest of my time together with you introducing you to the living God, the one true God. That's why we sing tonight. Our God is greater. Our God is higher. God, come on, God, you are God, you are higher than every other. Our God is our God is healer. I wish you'd say amen to that. Awesome in power. Our God, our God. Now, after that, Isaiah, we got to move quickly. Isaiah, now watch it. He begins to talk about those who make idols. Now, what is an idol? I, I, I got to bring this home. What is an idol? Follow me now. Go follow me, sis. Let's go back to the beginning. An idol, put it up there. An idol is an image. Uh, it's an image or, 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 or the material object uh, representing a deity to which worship is addressed or any person or thing regarded with admiration, adoration, or even devotion. Uh, I, I know that's, that, that's a lot. It's basically anything that you give worth to, something that you worship. Now, please hear me. I begin by telling you that Satan is a master deceiver. Some of you have idols in your heart, and you really believe that you don't. You're deceived. From the front to back, as I was praying this afternoon, the Spirit of God said everybody in attendance has idols in their heart, things that they love, things that they enjoy, things that they prefer above me. And, though, and there will be those that are deceived by the evil one because they're going to get haughty. They're going to give you a haughty look and say, you're talking to my neighbor. I don't have idols. There are things in my life right now, and a lot of preachers are uncomfortable with telling this, but there are things in my life right now that come before God and they shouldn't come before God. Why are you all scared to say amen to this? There are things in your life right now that come before God. You, 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 it's, it's something that, that, that you're devoted to. You admire, you adore it. You're devoted to it. You can't go a day without your cell phone. You can't go a day without that thing in your body. It's an idol. But I'm glad today that I serve the same God whose presence causes all lesser things to bow before him. And so, uh, not only I, I got to tell you. So, if, there, if if that's what an idol is, then then what is it? What is idolatry? Then idolatry then is the worship of someone or something other than God, as though it were God. Just stay with me. Idolatry then is the worship of someone or something other than God, as though it were God. That's idolatry. That's idolatry. I'll never forget years ago, I was going through a hard time, and right there in front of my, in front of my 65-inch television, I bowed my head as reverently as I could, and I said, Lord, I began to pray, Lord, you know what's going on. I need your help. I need you to deliver. And, as, and with, with love and with much love, please understand, with much love, he said, boy, why don't you pray to your television? You spend more time with it than you do with me. I'm not preaching legalism. I'm not telling you to throw your television away unless God tells you to do it. But he said, why don't you ask your television to deliver you? It has eyes, but it does not see. Ears, but it does not hear. It has hands, but it cannot feel. Feet, but it does not walk. It has your attention. It has your devotion. It has your time. But it cannot deliver you. So watch what Isaiah says. I love it. Watch what Isaiah says. Now, 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 now let, let's deal with the idols. Now, 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 give me the text here, so I'm going to read it quickly. Are you still in the house? Shout hallelujah. Y'all look like somebody just ran over your puppy. Are you okay? Ask your neighbor, are you okay? All right. Now, give me the text. Uh, give me verse 9 now, sis, if you can. I don't, I, I don't know if you have these. In verse 9 to verse 20 now, we see the folly of those that make idols. That's, that's what Isaiah is about to do. Now, I want you to follow this. Now, don't tell me you can't follow along because you can Netflix and chill for three hours. Then you can follow the word of God. Hallelujah. Ready? Watch. It says, all those who fashion, who fashion idols, they're nothing. And the things that they delight in, they do not profit. Their witnesses neither see nor know. That they may be put to shame. Verse 10, just follow along. Those who fashion, uh, who fashions a god, or, or who fashions, I should say, who fashions a god, or or casts an idol that is profitable for nothing. Verse eleven: Behold, all his companions shall be put to shame. 
and the craftsmen are only human. Follow this. Let them all assemble. Let them stand forth. They shall be terrified. They shall be put to shame together. Verse 12, the ironsmith takes a cutting tool and works it over the coals. He fashions the idol with his hammers and works it with his strong arm. He becomes hungry, though, and his strength, like some of y'all, he becomes hungry, though, and his strength fails. He drinks no water, and he gets faint. The carpenter stretches a line. He marks it out with a pencil. He shapes it with planes and marks it with a compass. He shapes it into the figure of a man with the beauty of a man to dwell in a house. 14, he cuts down cedar trees or he chooses a cypress tree or an oak tree. He lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. He plants a cedar and the rain nourishes it. Verse 15, then it becomes fuel for a man. He takes a part of it and warms himself. Watch it now. He, he plants a tree, watches it grow, but then he cuts it down and uses it to warm himself. Follow this. He kindles a fire. Ready? He kindles a fire and bakes bread. Also, he makes a god and he worships it out of the same wood. He makes it an idol and falls down before it. I love it. 16. Half of it, half of the wood, he burns in the fire. Get this. Over the half, he eats carne asada. That's what it says. Check this. Those who make idols, plant a tree, watch it grow, cut it down, take some of the wood to warm themselves with it, take another half to bake bread on it, take another half to cook meat on it. It's the equivalent. It's the equivalent of you bringing your Weber grill. It's the equivalent of you getting charcoal, cooking on it, and then taking it making an idol out of it and saying, I will worship this. The audacity of us to take what is created and to prefer it over creator. I, I, I wish that I could bring a scale because when I, today I, w I, was, I was sharing with, with, with one of our ministers, I said, I said it, is, it is ludicrous, it's asinine, the audacity of us to take what is created and to enjoy it more than our creator. Idolatry, in a sense, is simply this, choosing what is created over what or over who is creator. Doesn't matter if it's a good thing. Anything that takes the place and the priority of God in your life has become an idol to you. And anything that you prefer over him has become an idol to you. And anything that you enjoy more than him has become an idol to you. If money makes you happy and the presence of God doesn't do anything in your soul, it's an idol to you. If sex makes you happy but the presence of God doesn't fill your soul, that's an idol to you. Alcohol, drug addiction, methamphetamine, cocaine, pornography. It doesn't matter. Whatever makes you happy. If the presence of God doesn't fill that void, it's an idol to you. I'll take it further. If ministry makes you happier than the one you minister to. I'll preach over here because that didn't go well on that side. If ministry fills your soul more than the one you minister to, ministry's an idol. Y'all ain't helping me preach this like I feel it, but the Spirit of God is going to expose everything that you put before Him because sometimes a pulpit, come on, sometimes a platform becomes more important than His presence. And God help us because we can make an idol even out of a good thing. But if it's not a God thing, then I gotta lay it down. Oh, if you're gonna clap your hands and give God a praise in the sanctuary, watch it. He cooks carne on it. Help me, we gotta, we were almost done. He roasted and it's sat and he's satisfied. He warms himself and says, Oh, I'm warm. I've seen the fire out of the same wood that he makes a God for. Incredible. Keep reading. Hallelujah. And the rest of it, he makes into a God, his idol, and he falls down to it and worships it. He prays to it and says, Deliver me, for you are my God. The same wood that he just cooked his God now on. He makes an idol out of it and says, hey, deliver me. 
You're my God. Verse 18. You're doing all right. Verse 18. Ready? Give me verse 18 now since you're doing great. Ready? They know not, nor do they discern, for he has shut their eyes. He's talking about those that make idols and worship them. He says they don't know, nor do they discern, because he shut their eyes so that they cannot see, and their hearts so that they cannot understand. Now please hear me. It's not that God is the one who takes their heart and makes it hard. It's what happened to Pharaoh. All, all that happened to Pharaoh when the scripture says that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. All that means is that God allowed Pharaoh to go down the path that he had already chosen. It's not that God is up there in heaven saying, I'm going to make his heart, his heart harden towards me. No. What he does is he allows you to fall victim to your own choice to live in sin. Basically, what I'm saying is those who choose delusion end up deluded. Those who choose an idol end up blind to its power. It's not that God wants you blind. It's not that he wants your heart hardened. It's not that he's the one shutting your eyes. You decided to shut your eyes in the face of the knowledge that there is a God in heaven who is the one true and living God. You decided to shut your eyes to that knowledge and choose a lesser thing. Everything in my life that came, everything that I gave priority to over the presence of God, over the purpose of God, over my relationship with God is an idol. Everything in your life right now that you enjoy more than the presence of God is an idol. I don't care if it's your career, your, your car, your house, your friendship, your relationship. But I, I don't care what his name is, Paco, Papi, whatever you call him. If he comes before God, it's an idol. Say amen if you're in the house, somebody. Bay. Bay, what's that? I'll tell you what it is. Help me. It's, it means before, before, before anyone else. This generation, these millennials, these youngsters, I, 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 I'm almost 40, so, so I'm still cool enough to think I'm cool, even though I know I'm not cool, but, 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 but I'm not young enough to be cool. I'm in that awkward position right there, right? So all the young people look at me like, Pastor's so lame, I know. But all the older saints are like, man, Pastor's so young and cool, I know, praise God. And so I, I'm in... <laughs> But God forbid that I ever say bay. But let me tell you something. But this generation, you want to know what I see online all the time? He's bay. And you don't think the God of this age, little G, you don't think the spirit of this world has introduced and has invaded the hearts and minds of this generation saying, he's bay, she's bay before anything else. Let me tell you something. That's 2019's version of idolatry. Whatever becomes before anything else is an idol. Whatever, becomes, whatever comes before God is an idol. Anything? Anything. Are you in the house tonight? Abundant life shout hallelujah. We're almost done. Now you have to know the following. Now let's deal with it. Follow me now, follow me now sister. Because I, I, got, I got to give you, I got to tell you basically what the Lord told me to tell you tonight. And, and, and we're going to end real quick here. Ready? So here are some questions to consider. Follow me now. Here are some questions to consider then. What's an idol then, preacher? Because I, I hear what you're saying, but what's an idol? Uh, you, we got to answer that. Number two, uh, not, not, not only what's an idol, but why are they so dangerous? And, and thirdly, what does an idol look like today, preacher? Please help me. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says the following. Put to death, therefore. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. So, so, so let's answer the questions there. Hello, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Ready? Why are idols dangerous then, preacher? Why are idols dangerous? Follow me. Here's why. Ready? Because the wrath of God is coming on those who are idolatrous. Why, is, why are idols dangerous? Because the wrath of God is coming upon idolatry. Paul told, Paul, Paul told the church at Colossae, the wrath of God is coming upon those who commit idolatry. That's why it's dangerous. Simple, right? You don't want to experience the wrath of an almighty God. You don't want to experience his wrath, but it's coming to who? To those that are in idolatry. 
Exodus chapter 20, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, he said, you shall not make for yourself any carved images, any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above, the earth beneath, nothing in the water, nothing on the earth. You shall not bow down to them. You shall not serve them. You know the text, right? Exodus 20, for I am the Lord your God, and I am a jealous God. Somebody say, I'm a jealous God. Come on, somebody say, he's a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the fourth and third generation of those who hate me. That tells us, follow me, that God is a jealous God. God's a jealous God. Somebody say he's a jealous God. Now, ¿cuántos celosos hay en esta noche? A ver, levántame la mano. ¿Cuántos celosos hay? Yo sé que hay, que hay pueblo hispano que habla español. A ver, levántame la mano. Los, los celosos, a ver, levántame la mano. No sea mentiroso en la casa de Jehová. Okay, let me talk English to me because you're acting like you don't understand. How many jealous people are in the house? Raise your hand. You don't tell a lie in the presence of the living God. How many are jealous tonight? Raise that hand. Proud if you're jealous and you know it. Now, there's a godly jealousy and then there's a weak, insecure jealousy. You're like, I'm jealous. I'll kill somebody. I'll cut you. <laughs> Got a knife in my pocket right now, Pastor. You don't know me. I love them, but I'll cut them. Y'all ladies are real quiet right now, but you know I'm preaching to you. I love them, but I'll make them look like Joker tonight. See, God is a jealous God. God's a jealous God. God's a jealous God. I love you, Lord. He's like, oh, man, I love you. I've loved you with an everlasting love. I love you, Lord, on Sunday. No, I'll be back next Sunday. Don't call me. Don't text me. Don't talk to me until I come back to visit you. I need to walk to the cheap seats in the back because everybody hides in the cheap seats. You wouldn't stand for a relationship where they ignored you six days out of the week and then wanted intimacy with you on one day that they came back to visit you. And we have people in the church that are trying to have conjugal visits with God. I came on Sunday, didn't I? I came once a month. You ought to be glad. But I love you. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far. Franny, come on, help me, brother. Help me, help me, help me, brother. Come on, you'd be like, you love me? You only come and see me when you want something. Y'all ain't helping me preach, but I'm in your neighborhood. You only come knocking on my door when you need, when it's convenient. It's idolatry. God is a jealous God. His jealousy is not only righteous, that means that he deserves your strongest affection. Let's be clear. God deserves your strongest, not second strongest or third. He deserves your strongest affection. It belongs to him. Not one, two amens, all right. He deserves your strongest affection. So that's righteous jealousy. Number two, it is also a loving jealousy though. And it's a loving jealousy because, ready, here it is, because we were made to find our greatest joy. That jealousy that God has for us, it's a loving jealousy because we were made to find our greatest joy when he's our greatest treasure. We were made to find joy, the greatest joy of our life, when he's our greatest treasure. But when that man is your greatest treasure, you're going to be missing joy in your soul. When that woman's your greatest treasure, you're going to be missing something in your soul. Let me help you, even the married people right now, because y'all are looking at me like, how do you know I'm sleeping? No, I'm not talking about those that are sleeping around only. Even those that are married, your husband can't satisfy the longing of your soul. Only God can do that. Lady, let me tell you something right now. I don't care if he's a man of prayer or a man of God. He can't fill your soul like the Lord can. He is your, he is your God. He is your savior, your healer. He is your strong tower. Somebody shout hallelujah. Ask your neighbor, is he your greatest treasure? Is he your greatest treasure? If your money's your greatest treasure, that's an idol. If your kids are your greatest treasure, that's an idol. What? Wait a minute, preacher. Nobody talks about my kids. 
Cálmate. You go clubbing and leave them with a sitter you don't even know. When I skip, that means it's serious. Oh, your kids are your greatest treasure. Then why don't you, why don't you teach them the ways of God then? Is he your greatest treasure? Is he your greatest treasure? Is he the most valuable thing that you have right now? Is God the most? Can you say without fear, he is the most valuable thing I have? Come on, you can take it all. You can take my house, my car. You can take every dollar that I have. But you cannot take, hallelujah, what is on the inside of me. He is the lover of my soul. He's my redeemer. I am the Lord's. Come on, you forgot last Wednesday. I am the Lord's. He is mine. He is a jealous God. He's jealous over me. He is my God. And I love He's supposed to be your greatest joy. I wonder if he is. Because tonight I had to say, God, you know the things that I enjoy a little bit too much. It's a righteous jealousy. Because even though we know that there is no God like him, we choose to trust in idols. 17 through 20 and the rest of it, he makes it into a God. His idol, he falls down, he worships, he prays to him, he says, deliver me, you are my God. Some of you are expecting money to get you out. Money can't deliver like the Lord your God. Know this. Ready? Idolatry starts in the heart. What does idolatry look like? Let's bring this message home. Ready? Here's what it is. What does idolatry look like, preacher? I got to know if I, if I qualify. Here it is. Well, how do you know I'm an idolater? I don't know, but God does. And here's how, here's how you can take the test. Ready? Here it is. Ready? What is idolatry? Craving, wanting, enjoying, being satisfied by anything that you treasure more than God. If you love your fishing boat more than you do the presence of God, it's an idol. If you love your business more than you love the presence of God, then it's an idol. If you love your vacation home more than you love the Lord your God, it's an idol. If you love your Ramfla, come on, help me, Pastor Joel. Even if it's a 65 super sport, if you love it more than you love God, then it's an idol. The Lord taught me years ago, and I said this to somebody. I said this to a sister. Please hear me. I'm almost done. I said this to a sister. I said, I have to be careful about talking about things that I love because it seems like every time I say, I love it, God's like, you said what? Oh, y'all, y'all, give it time, y'all. You're looking at me like, well, yeah. Every time I, oh, I really love, I really like it. Every time that it starts to exalt, every time that it starts to sit on the throne, every time that it says, scoot sees with God on the throne of my heart, everything that says, come on, scoot over, make room for me. And God's like, oh, you like this a little bit too much. It's more important. I'm trying not to do the things that my daughter says that I do when I preach because I know she's going to make fun of me tonight after revival service. Because last Wednesday night for an hour after Del Taco, she was right there mimicking her father. <laughs> That's what preacher kids do though, right? They got to copy their pops. There she was having revival in my kitchen. <laughs> Anything you treasure more than God is an idol. Anything you treasure more than God is an idol. Any relationship that's more important than your relationship with God is an idol. Anything that takes priority in your heart is an idol. If you're worried about something more than you think about God, it's an idol. It's what you crave. It's what you want. It's what you enjoy. Some of you tonight, the Spirit of God brought you to the service because you enjoy things a little bit too much and God knows it. And so he says, I got I to gotta set you back where you belong. I need to realign the affection of your heart because these things are lesser gods. They're, they're little G. Only God, only our God, but only our God, George, has a big G, capital G. All other gods are lowercase G because there's only one true God. <laughs> Clap your hands like you believe it in your soul tonight. He's worthy of better than that. Clap your hands if you believe that there is only one true. 
What's an idol then? We got to finish. What's an idol, Junior? Get ready. It's the thing or the person loved more than God. What do you love more than him? What do you want more than him? It's whatever you love, whatever you want more than God, whatever you desire more than God, whatever you treasure more than God, whatever you enjoy more than God. I picked up my car. Now we, we went for a vuelta. And I know my brother loves it. He said, Can I pick you up in the car? Orale. He came walking out and he sat there. And people wave at us and they ask us, Well, what year is it? And it feels good to get the attention of people on the street, you know. And at first, when I got the ride, I told the kids, Watch, listen to this. I told the kids because I see somos. I told the kids, hey, be careful with the car. Watch the doors. So check it out. The car's long. It's in my garage, you know. So, so the, the Chevy emblem on the hood of my, of my Super Sport, the Chevy emblem, the chrome strip on it. My, my youngest daughter came in the house the other day, and she said, hey, Dad. I said, what? The, the, the strip, like the logo of the car, it, it's broken. It's hanging off. I said, what you say? <laughs> it's hanging off, Dad. Hanging off. I, and so then I said, who broke it? I'm lying. I didn't yell. I said it like a holy man. Who broke it? <laughs> My daughter denied it wasn't me. It must have been your sister. I asked the other one. Partners in crime. You did it? Wasn't me, Dad. Mm. It mysteriously broke itself off. And right away, I'm not saying that car's an idol. Right away, the Lord's like, these things are made out of, they're made out of metal. They'll all rust and stay. And if you enjoy driving this car more than you enjoy walking with me, If you enjoy driving this more than you enjoy walking with me, then watch it crumble before your eyes. What do you love more than God? Who do you love more than God? That pipe that you can't put down, guess what? It's an idol formed and fashioned by a man. That needle you're jamming in your vein, it's, it's something made by a man. That cell phone that you can't live without, formed and fashioned by a man. It cannot say it is first or last, only God can, because those things need a creator. What do you want more than God? If you want money more than God, if money makes you happier than the presence of God, then that's an idol. If you desire something more than you desire God, then that's an idol. If you treasure something more than you treasure Him, then it's an idol. And here it is. And if you enjoy something more than you enjoy God, it's an idol. What's the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. So what do I do then? Romans 1.25 says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Romans 1.25, hello Paul. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped, ready? And they served the creature rather than the creator. Woo! Love it. And that's what we do, is it not? We exchange truth for a lie. Let me give you truth. Only God satisfies. Wow, I need to rewind and check that I'm at the right church. Let me, let me give you truth. Let me give you truth. Only God satisfies. One more try, abundant life. Come on, don't break my heart. Only God satisfies. That's truth. Right? Here's a lie. Alcohol will satisfy the same. Here's truth. Sex won't satisfy forever. Here's a lie. 
let's just go deeper into, the, into that whole world, that, that bondage, that lie, that deceit. Until you find the one who's right for you, the devil is a liar. If I only had more money, man, I'd be straight. That's a lie. And I can give you a list of 15 movie stars who killed themselves while living in mansions, who ended up being found dead in their bathtubs. What do I do, preacher? Lay them down. You want to know what revival is? You want to know what revival looks like? Here it is. Then Ravenhill said, we need, the church needs an avalanche of the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Every idol in your heart, everything that exalts itself, everything you enjoy more than God is an idol. Here's what we need from the pulpit down. Ready? Lay these things down. And say, God, I'm coming back. Some of you right now, you're in this church service because God's calling you home. And you're realizing that that thing you're carrying in your heart is nothing more than an idol. It's deaf, it's dumb, it cannot save, it can't satisfy. I don't care if it's money, I don't care if it's worries, I don't care if it's a career. Anything, anything that exalts itself, you ought to know. Once you really know who God is, all fear should subside. Fernie, you got to know this, man. The closer you get to God, the more you know him. Everything else becomes worthless in comparison. And when we make the main thing the main thing, everything else tends to fall in its proper place. Elder Brown, come. Andres, come. Where are you at? Oh, my God. Idols are about to fall in the presence of God. Come up here. Stand up here. Stand right there. I need to find somebody. I need somebody of a thin build. Quickly, uh, anybody thin, really thin here? Don't be ashamed. No, you disqualified, brother. I need a real thin build. Really thin build. All the chubby people are like, me? No, you're in denial, brother. to kill the effects on this you're the skinniest person we got kill the effects on lead whatever thank you put your guitar down for a minute and let me just say the brother's skinny but he's fit though you know come on I want you to see this alright now come stand right here face him you face him? Okay. Now, imagine with me for just a moment. In fact, I'm not even going to, you don't even have to imagine. This brother's arm, he's a correctional officer. You don't want that around your neck. Can you see him? Can y'all can y'all see this man? Okay. Now our brother's arm is considerably smaller. Would you agree? Now, I don't know if this still happens anymore, but back in the day we used to do a thing called arm wrestling. Have you ever arm wrestled anybody? Huh? Back then when I was younger. What? When I was younger. You act like you're old. <laughs> you ever arm wrestle anybody? Yes. Have you ever been beaten? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to meet him. <laughs> By who? Hulk Hogan? <clears throat> now, just imagine for a moment. Put your arm on that table. Now just imagine. Now I know the brothers 
benefit. But let me tell you who's going to win this. Now, I don't need him to pass out before he ministers at this altar call. So I'm not going to have them arm wrestle. If you're waiting for me to say, go, ain't going to happen. You're just going to have to imagine, oh, well. But I'd put my money if I was a betting man and I'm not on the one who is much bigger. Tell me why. Please tell me why. You know God is. Come up here, D. Come up here, Jason. We're going to sing out. You know that God is much. Help me preach this. Come on. You know that God is. Yeah, you can feel that line. With bigger, stronger. You know that God is. So why then are you? Well, I don't know how, and I got to make a way, and I got to do this, and I got to make calls, and I got, and I am the Lord, and he's not going to come through, so I got to make a way for myself, and I ain't going to depend, I ain't going to depend, what? You ain't going to depend on who? On God? Are you telling me you're not going to depend on God? The Lord says to you, I am the first and the last. There is no rock. No, not one. Who is like the Lord? That drug addiction can't ever satisfy your soul. You know it tonight. Lay it down. That addiction to sex won't satisfy. Lay it down. And God knows why I continue talking about that. Some of you are addicted to things that you know don't honor God. I'm not here to shame you. We all have idols that we got to lay down. What I came to tell you is, I love my brother, but at the end of the day, if I had to choose security, it ain't going to be you. Not when I know how big he is. How big is your God? How strong is he? your head father I pray right now nobody leaving we're about to be done be ready